Hey, it's Pastor Ted Fabianic here from Faith Life Church in Melbourne, Australia. Welcome to our podcast. We pray that when you listen to this, you'll be inspired and blessed to reach the best things that God has for you. Fantastic. Good to see you all here. You're looking amazing. Why don't you tell the person next to you how good looking are you? I'm so happy to be sitting with you. I love it. Pastor Ted sends his greetings and he'll be coming home on Thursday and uh, we know that he'll be sharing next week. So we're excited about what God is doing and, uh, and just know that, you know, the gospel of Jesus Christ is the, the only message that transforms people's lives. And for us, we have been commissioned to go into all the world, you and I. All of us have been told to go into the, all the world and preach the gospel. And so sending Pastor Ted there is part of that mandate that's on us as believers. Let's just pray as we come to the Word of God. Are you ready for the Word of God? I'm ready for the Word of God. Father, I just thank you that your Word is living and active. I thank you, Lord, that we just take this moment, Lord, just to sit and feast at your word. We believe, Lord, that the word of God is the highest authority in the universe, Father. You have come and you revealed yourself through your word. And today as we come, Father, we just pray, Lord, that your word would begin to nourish us, Father, strengthen us, build us up, shift and align things in our lives so that we, Father, will be strong, Lord, that we would walk in Um, the areas that you have for us, Father, that we would walk worthy of the calling that you have called us with. And so, Father, we just thank you for this time in Jesus' name. So bless you as you take your seat and welcome to those that are online. I am thrilled to be able to bring the word of God. One of the things that I I love doing is um, to read the word and and to, to delve into it because it is something that Even as a young child, I was hungry for the Word of God, hungry, reading the Word, asking my dad, um, you know, what does this mean and how does this work out in my life? So there's been an insatiable desire for the Word of God. And and then, you know, when you start to study and step into the Word, you start to see that there's so much in it. That every area of your life, God has something to say about it. There is not one part of your life that this word of God will not speak into or give you direction. And God will then quicken you by his spirit. The the word of God is inspired. It inspired men to write them. And it even put in restrictions on what they could speak about. Every word has a power. Every Every, every nuance of it is breathed by God. And so when we come to the Word of God, I'm excited because we learn so much about ourselves and we learn what God is doing it. And so today I want to talk about something the Apostle Paul brings out in his writings about three types of men. So I've t- entitled this Paul's Three Men. Everybody say Paul's Three Men. Paul has, he always talks about three men. And so today I'm going to unpack it and I want you to think about where are you? What kind of man are you? Now, I'm using the the term man, but it's mankind. You know, three kinds of people, three kinds of people. So let's let's have a look at that because it's a fascinating study when he starts to describe these, these distinct classes of men and he describes them as three types, the natural man, 
the carnal man and the spiritual man. The natural man is a person who's never encountered eternal life. It's a person whose spirit is dead. They've never ever come to a salvation experience. They've never been recreated. They are spiritually dead. This is what Apostle Paul says. This is the natural man. Is someone whose spirit is dead without God and without hope. The second man is the carnal man. This is the new creation in Christ. It's a person who's experienced the new birth, new creation, but has never grown or matured beyond that. They may stay in that carnal state their entire life. They are undeveloped, undeveloped. They're still babies. In the natural, we've seen people who stay in in a baby state, right? And we look at them, you know, 35, and somebody still has to wipe their nose. And you think, oh, something wrong about that, right? But here, God, Paul brings it out. There's there's such a person who is a carnal person they're governed by the senses. They are, their soul, which is the mind, will, and emotion, is unregenerated. And they are unaware. This person is unaware of spiritual dimensions or spiritual realities or spiritual truths. The third man is the spiritual one, one who is intentionally developed into divine things and whose spirit is ruling and gaining ascendancy of influence, the spirit is worked, the spirit dimension is actually activated, and he now possesses an ability over his enter his intelligence or his his intellectual abilities and his senses. So now he becomes spirit dominion. There's a dominion through his spirit. So he is bringing the processes of his intellectualism and his senses underneath this, this, um, uh, this spirit. He is governed by God. So let's have a look at the natural man. We're going to read 1 Corinthians 2.14. The word of God is extraordinary. It's alive. It's living. Listen to what Apostle Paul says. But the natural, unspiritual man does not accept or welcome or admit into his heart the gifts and teachings and the revelations of the Spirit of God, for they are folly, meaningless nonsense to him. And he is incapable of knowing them, of progressively recognizing, understanding, or becoming better acquainted with them, because they are spiritually discerned and estimated and appreciated. Someone who is not born again cannot understand, can't grasp, spiritual dimensions and you may have someone in your life that is not born again and you want to try and tell them things and try to make them spiritual it doesn't work because they're spiritually discerned so you have to approach those people with grace and with wisdom because otherwise you will be frustrated because you'll have an expectancy on them that is unrealistic, all right? The natural man is an unspiritual man. So let me ask you, what is then religion? Religion then is not a spiritual experience. Religion is not a spiritual experience. Religion is worked out in the soul. 
the mind, will, and emotions, the intellect. So when we look at false religions and we look at religions all over the world, we know they are not having a spiritual experience because they are spiritually dead. Right? So the natural man is unspiritual, doesn't accept or welcome spiritual things, rejects the revelations of God, and won't allow them into the heart. That's why when you're born again, it's a miracle. It is a miracle that you heard the gospel. It is a miracle that you opened up something. God did something in your heart to open you up, that you believed on Jesus. It is an absolute miracle that you are born again. It is a miracle that you heard something that activated God's faith in your heart and you opened up. It is a miracle that you are born again. Because the person who is unspiritual has no ability to understand the things of God. They consider it foolish. Do you know the natural man is also, in James 3, 15, he calls the natural man a devilish man because he's under the sway of a demonic entity, a demonic spirit. The God of this world is working. Listen to Romans 8 and verse 7. That is because the mind of the flesh with its carnal thoughts and purposes is hostile to God. For it does not submit to God itself to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. The natural man lives by the senses. The word flesh is also used the word senses or flesh. In the scripture, depends on what translation. So someone who is a natural man are governed by senses. They're driven by intellectualism and they do not submit to the word of God. And it's hostile. How many have ever met a hostile person when you talk to them about Jesus? Why? That's, that's, that you locate them. You know exactly where they are. You know exactly where they are. They, be, they, are, they never obey. They can't obey. This is, this is the nature of a natural man, okay? For what the law could not do, that in it was weak. Jesus came because we were in a state of, of hostility toward God. How is this superior being going to come and in, interact with you when we are hostile what did he do? He incarnated himself in, his, in the body of, of Mary, in the womb of Mary. He came, he clothed himself with humanity so he could come and now he could interact with you and I. That's how much he loved us, that he knew we were without hope. We had no way of knowing him, no understanding of how, how to reach him. And we didn't even know we had a need. We didn't even know that we needed him. We didn't even know who he was. We don't even have a concept of it. This is the natural man. The natural man, he learns through his senses and he's governed by his senses. This knowledge is how he learns. There's no spiritual dimension here. There's no revelation knowledge here. It's all sense and it's intellectualism. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 to 2. Listen to what, again, Paul the apostle pulls out. He says... And his fullness fills you, even though you were once like corpses, dead in your sins 
and offenses. It wasn't that long ago that you lived in the religion and the customs and the values of this world. Obeying the dark ruler of the earthly realm who fills the atmosphere with his authority and works diligently in the hearts of those who are disobedient to the truth. Every strategy of the enemy is to keep people away from the gospel. They don't, he, he does not want the light of the gospel to be preached or taught or even be expressed. So he will do everything to silence that, that gospel. He wants no one to be saved. And we carry the message. It's so powerful. But we too were in that dark place. We too were dead in our, in our sins. The natural man, he has no people, no God, and no hope. Listen to this, to this. We were under the sway of a demonic realm. We were separated, separated from God. 1 Corinthians 2.28 says, And God also selected, he deliberately chose what in the world is low-born and insignificant and branded and t- treated with contempt, even the things that are nothing that he might depose and bring to nothing the things that are. are. You know, as we who are Gentiles, Paul, Paul talks about three types of, of uh, citizens, or three types of men. He says there's the Jew, the Gentile, and the believer, the new Christian. And he says the Jew will always be a Jew. Always be a Jew. He can be a Messianic Jew, but he'll always be a Jew because God chose the covenant people to know that. He also then talked about Gentiles. Gentiles have no claim on God whatsoever. They have, they have no standing with God. And you know that that's what God was saying here in 1 Corinthians. He says the Gentiles, insignificant, have no God, have no claim, and yet God chooses you and I. He loves us and he chooses us even though we were alienated from God. God loves us so much, and he saw our state that we were blind, that we were away from him, that we had no way we, um, to know him. So he chose to come and find us. Do you know there is only one hope for the natural man, and that is Jesus. Jesus is the only one. That's why the Word of God says that He's the way, the truth, and the life, and no one can come to the Father but through Him. That God loves us so much, that's why He gives us the message of the gospel that opens our hearts up to salvation. I love it. The natural man, the natural man is someone who doesn't know Jesus, who doesn't know, and yet Jesus came so that we could have life and that more abundantly. And do you know the gift of eternal life is simply that? He literally just gives, he literally opens it up to you and you have to take it. He will never force it on anyone. It's a free gift of what Jesus done. There's only one name in the universe by which men can be saved. And that's why there's such an attack on the gospel and such attack on when you want to witness to someone, you need, you need the Holy Spirit to be at work on that person so that we don't, we don't uh, 
knock them on the head, yeah? We're not trying to, we're not trying to manipulate it, but there, we know that God is at work. Christ took our place. He paid for our penalty. He, he became a curse so that we could be free. Every unsaved man has a legal right to eternal life. Every, every person on the face of earth has a legal right now because God himself incarnate came and took his place. But God says this, it's a free gift and we can receive it. Once we receive it, listen to the scripture in 1 Corinthians 3 and verse 1. The carnal man, this is the second type of man that Paul talks about, the carnal ones. Another translation might use the word a babe in Christ is one who has received Jesus as their Lord and Savior. They have a born-again experience. They become alive in themselves, but they don't walk into the depths of it. They stay in the, in the baby stage. However, brethren, this is Apostle Paul talking, I could not talk to you as spiritual men, but as to non-spiritual men of the flesh in whom the carnal nature predominates, as to mere influence in the new life in Christ, unable to talk yet. So here Paul's coming to the, the new church. He's coming into the fellowship, and he wants to start to pour out the revelations that Christ has given him, and he can't. Why? Because they're all still on the bottle. They're all still having their nappies changed, and they're still all on this, on this milk. And he's like, there is so much going on in the church, and you're still sitting on the milk on the bottle. And he's saying, I can't even talk to you because you're still unspiritual. You're still like a natural man in your behavior. You haven't yet stepped into the spiritual realities. It's your, the, the, the carnal nature predominates your life. In the Passion Translation, it says, Brothers and sisters, when I was with you, I found it impossible to speak, to try. Uh, to try as those who are to speak to you as spiritual, mature people, for you're still dominated by the mindset of the flesh. And because you are immature infants in Christ, I had to nurse you with milk and not with solid food for of more advanced teaching because you weren't ready for it. What's it going to take for us to actually move out of this baby stage? You may have been a believer for you know, 20 years, but you can still be a baby. You can still sit there and not allow God's word to work in you. This carnal man is undeveloped. And that, you know, the, the spiritual dimensions open up and, oh, no, 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 I don't, I don't agree with that. And the reasoning of the natural has not yet been um, renewed. So we look at Christianity through the natural mind and we become carnal believers. Carnal in our, in our work, act work. Still not spiritual. You and I are spiritual beings. You and I are spiritual, but we mustn't stay in the carnal, undeveloped stage, governed by the senses. Belonging to the world system, infants, babes, without the ability to talk. Your prayer life is important. Your, the, the, the ability to speak the word of God is important. 
that corrupt nature is still influencing. You're unable to eat solid food or progress to the meat. The carnal man hasn't learned the law of love. We come and we are born again. And guess what? God is love and his nature comes on. And when we are not walking in love, we are carnal. The carnal man has not learned to, to the love work, walk. When we begin to love, we stop being jealous, stop striving with one another, bitterness and backbitings. And all of those things are evidence that we're still carnal. But when we put on love and we walk out love, and there's a great scripture, 1 Corinthians 13, and the first epistle of John, all about love and about our community and our homes. How are we loving in our homes? How are we loving um, in our community? That is evidence of us developing and growing. In Ephesians 4, 7, it says this, He has generously given each one of us supernatural grace according to the size of the gift of Christ. He has given us a deposit of grace to meet every emergency in your life. You should never be fearful of what's coming. Why? Because you've been fitted out with the grace, the unmerited favor of God in your life. And you know what? Everything you need, he has already put it inside of you, fit for whatever comes. And he wants you to learn how to use that. We've even been given the same Holy Spirit. Every one of us has got the same Holy Spirit. We have the same access to the Father. We have the same internal intercessor, Jesus. We have the same love. We have the same nature, the same grace, the same love. All of us, every one of us here in this community, everyone in your household that is born again, you have the same access, the same love, the same dynamics. Why is there anyone among us who are weak? Is there any reason for us to stay undeveloped and weak? What are we doing with what he's given us? If we're watching television for 45 hours a week because we're chilling out and we're not giving ourselves into the word, we are not being spiritually fed. The spirit needs the word to feed on. The word of God feeds the spirit and strengthen us, and we cannot allow us to stay in a carnal state. The Apostle Paul says, you can tell that you're carnal because you're dull of hearing. You can't hear the Holy Spirit. Let me tell you a story years ago, and I'll just tell you how accurate you can hear the Holy Spirit. Um, when Ted and I were first married, um, he was an electrician, and after two years, uh, we had just given birth to our first daughter, Christine, 85. And he got very, very sick with hepatitis, infected pancreas, and it was a liver disease. And so for two years, he was out of, out of work. And finally, we had an opportunity for him to start a different job. And we got a deposit, and we bought a house in Lilydale. So we go and we buy this house, and interest rates were 18% at those stage. But we got our foot in the door and we got into this house. And we're like, wait, we got into our first house and we have a, a, a baby. So in 1988, we have Jesse. And now Jesse's a newborn. And halfway through the year, we're still in this house on a quarter of an acre. And halfway through the year, 
the Lord speaks to me. I am sitting in my, in my house, and the Lord speaks to me. He says, I want you to sell the house. I want you to sell it for this price. And the second people that walk through it will buy it. I am like, what? So, I ring Ted. He's at work. It's a Friday. Friday night. Friday um, uh, midday or something. So I ring Ted. I said, man, God spoke to me. <laughs> now, just, just imagine this, right? You've got a newborn. You've got a, a, a two-year-old running around, literally running around. And, then, and now you have to hear the voice of God, and God says, I want you to sell the house. I was like, and I knew it. I heard him. So I heard him speak to me. So what did we do? I rang the agent, the estate agent down the road. And I said, I need you to come in tomorrow. And uh, we want to get an appraisal on the house and we want to sell the house. So he made no time, 12 noon. So now this is Friday. I start cleaning the house on the inside. I activate my faith. I start cleaning everything, ring my mum up and say, can I drop my daughter off to your house in the morning? And, he said, and she said, yes. So 7 o'clock in the morning, Ted drove her over to my parents' house. We cleaned inside, we cleaned outside, and by midday, our place was spotless. The only thing we hadn't done is painted the eaves on the outside of the house. We still had to do that. Mowed the lawns, everything. So now, in 12 o'clock, in comes the estate agent. And I said, look, we want to put the house on the market but we do not want to pay for any advertising fee. And he's thinking, you're crazy. And I went, no, I just know. So he says, okay. So we, he says, oh, you have to put it on the market for this price. I said, no, we're going to put it on this price. This is what the Lord said to me. I want you to put it on, say, $115,000. But you are not to go any lower than $112,500. That was the word. So it was so, it was so clear so, he leaves. Within like 40 minutes, there was a phone call. And he says, oh, look, we've got someone who's interested. I said, bring them on through, bring them on through. Just get them out and get them out because I knew the second people were going to buy it. So it was like, get them in, get them out. And, and then we just waited, waited. And 1.30 came, another phone call. We've got a young family here. And... Um, can we bring them through? Absolutely. So a young family came through, a little daughter, the husband and wife went around, went around and everything, looked around, and they left. And, and then five, five minutes after they left, because the estate agent was just around the corner, we got a phone call. The offer was for 112500 and an extra $500 for the swing set outside, and we sold the house in less than two hours. In two hours. Now, we're like, well, what do we do now? We just knew we had to get out of this, and we didn't know why. And then came the 1988 financial crash, and we had sold that house. And the two years that Ted was out of work, everything that he had lost, God put that finance back into our hand. And the crash came on the market. And then it gets even better. Our mail kept going to their house. So I would drive down to Lilydale and sit there, have coffee with this lady and witness to her and she became a believer in Jesus Christ. And it was that this young couple had been from Germany coming to Melbourne. He was transferred here to Melbourne and that weekend was they were desperate to find a house in the Lilydale area so that he could start his work. And here we were, this divine transaction 
And God worked all those things together for good. They got saved. They got planted in the local church. And here we are sitting going. Now, that's what I'm talking about. We can have, we can live in the natural as carnal Christians and have no connection to the voice of God. Or we can start to go and walk into the realm of the spirit. And the third man that God is calling and is inviting us into is to the dimension of the spiritual man. The spiritual man is the man who is deeply, who is deeply fed on the, on the spirit and the word of God and saturated himself in the love. There's an intimacy with the Father. There's a reality with God that he pursues. There's an intimacy of worship in the private place as well as in the corporate. The Word has become a priority. The Word now becomes the instructions for life. It now is the thing that arrests you. It now holds you accountable. It it now uh, directs your life. It directs your thinking. It directs every part of you. The spiritual man is what God wants us to move into. He doesn't want us to stay in a place of carnality where we're vacillating and we haven't understand how to renew Renew our mind. The spiritual man lives in harmony with God's will and word. He partakes in his inheritance. He lives in the light. He knows God's ability personally. He actually starts to outwork it, starts to lay hands on people and pray for people. He starts to have a prayer life that's effective. He starts to hear God. He walks in an overcoming life. He has a delivering attitude. He's constantly, things are just falling off him. Things that he thought of are just falling off him. It says that. It says that in in Colossians. It says that we're living in this lifestyle of the supernatural, of the spirit. He knows the power of prayer. He never begs because he knows the intimacy of the Father. Never begs because that's not being spiritual. Listen to this. He knows the righteousness That righteousness means the ability to stand in the Father's presence as though sin had never been. Do you know what Jesus did? He made you the righteousness of God. And if we walk around like beggars and slaves and trying to win God's approval, we are still carnal in our thinking. We haven't yet understood that Christ made us in him and made us the righteousness of God. We now can stand before God as though sin had never been in our life. We have full access to God. We also have sonship. We are now family with God. We are now family, not just adopted. Many translations use this, but it's even a greater word. We're, not, we're actually literally born from the Father. We assume the son's responsibilities, and rise to opportunities that he gives us. We're not beggars. We're sons and daughters. Say that I'm not a beggar. Then who are you? I'm a son and daughter. That's who you are. So this is the new life. This is the spiritual dimension God wants you to start to walk in. And that means that you're taking taking authority over the way that you think. Romans 12.1 says that you need to be transformed. Your mindsets, the way you're thinking, your subconscious thinking constantly is at fight and the loggerheads with the Word of God. 
because you grew up as a natural, natural person and you have learned things. But as you come into the things of the Spirit, you have to put off those things. You have to take that thinking away and remove it. Let's look at 2 Corinthians 5.17. Listen to the power of what the Apostle Paul has for you. Now, right now, if anyone is enfolded into Christ, he has become an entirely new person. A new person. All that is related to the old order has been banished. So now when you think in an old mindset, in a carnal way, you have to realize that is banished out of your life. You no longer refer to it. You no longer refer to that because it says, behold, everything is fresh and new and God has made all things new and reconciled us to himself. That's an accounting term. Balanced everything out. Everything that was against you, Christ has done it now. There's no more. There's no debt over your life. There's nothing on your life that Christ hasn't met. Isn't that powerful? It is so powerful. God has made all things new. That's why you're a new creation. You are a new, new creation being. You're not just like a house that's been redone. You know, you're not just renovated. You're brand new. Your spirit has been born again, and you've reconciled us to himself and given us the ministry of reconciling. The wealth of salvation is staggering. Through the new birth, we have become the righteousness of God in Christ. We have, we have access into the Father's presence, access as sons. We've been made sons and daughters and created in Christ, and this gives us boldness. And this is why it's so important for us to realize, where have we been located? Where are we? Are we still got a foot in the carnal? Are we still kind of getting angry and lashing out and doing things? Or are we moving in and walking into this experience? We have been bestowed the highest honor to be called the sons and daughters of the living God. You and I have been called the sons and daughters. And we can now walk in that spiritual man experiences. We have passed from babyhood to manhood and stepping into our, our rights and privileges. Let's get the worship team up here just as we come to a close. Do you know you're completely secure? You're completely one with God? that you have access to his intimacy. It took faith to get you into the family, but now that you are in the family, everything is yours. Everything belongs to you. And now you are now co-working, co-laboring with Christ, partnering with Father for the purposes of reaching this earth to walk out his purposes in the earth. Where are you today? Maybe you have your whole life been in a Christian environment and you are still a natural man. You've never been born again. The Bible says that you can be born again, that your spirit can be made brand new. Maybe you've heard about Jesus. Maybe you've gone to church your whole life. Maybe you even raise your hands, but inside you go, I really don't know why I'm really doing this. Many, 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 many people go into these kind of religious settings 
And they do what everyone else is do, but inside, there's something missing. And that is the born-again experience. It's the new birth. And today, Bible says today's the day of salvation, that today you can receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior. And you can be born again by the Spirit of God. And you can begin to walk out this new spiritual life that is for you. It is your, it is your inheritance. It's your gift to walk it out. It is a gift from God. Today, maybe, maybe you're here and you're still battling with carnality. Maybe you're still on the bottle and you, you need to be nursed and you need to be you know, helped along. But I want to tell you today, God wants to touch your life and God wants to move in your heart and in your life. Why don't you stand with me? Have you located where you're at? Because today is the day where we shift and we move. And we understand the position that God has given us is the position of sons and daughters in this house. But he wants us to mature into the spirit man dimension so we can access everything that he has for us. Is it a good word, church? It's a great word because now you can locate yourself and you can move where God and move into all that God has for you. Let's just pray. Just close your eyes right now. Father, I just thank you, Lord. Your Word is so powerful. It locates us and it brings us to ourselves. It brings us to locate ourselves right where we are. And Father, I just pray for anyone right now who may not know you personally. Maybe... Maybe they know the religious way, but not know you intimately and personally. Today is the day of salvation, says the Lord. Today is the day where you become born again. We're going to open up the altar in a few moments and, and uh, I'm going to get AJ to come and lead the next session. But maybe you're here and you know that you've been walking carnally. Today is a day where you start to put off those old things and you put on Christ and you start to walk into your inheritance, into your spiritual dimension. And the power and the presence of God will flow unhindered in your life. In Jesus' name.